And so I'm just going to go to Matthew 5 and start there just to kind of read through and remind of what we've talked about before. Um, we had an interruption with some other messages and things that we were doing. But today we're going to be specifically looking at Blessed are the pure in heart. And this is one of, uh, to me, one of the, they're, they're all important, but this one is very important. It's very uh, difficult sometimes if we look at this and we look in the mirror of it for ourselves because we see how important it is from the Lord that we are pure in heart. So we'll be talking about that, but let's just start in chapter 5, verse 1. Again, remember the background of this is Jesus has been healing the sick and and setting captives free, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, diseases are being healed, sickness is being healed, um, demons are being cast out, uh, paralytics are walking, um, and uh, it's just an incredible time. And from that, the crowds come, and so Jesus takes his disciples and his, those that were close with him up on the top of the hill in the mountain, and that's where we have the, the setting for the Sermon on the Mount. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And I'm just so glad that we have from Scripture so many different times when Jesus was teaching his disciples, and yet we have the blessing of, of having the words that he was teaching them because they were written down. There was a scribe or someone that was writing them down, the different uh, writers of each gospel recording what they remembered and what they saw in that. So verse number three of the Beatitudes Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And then today, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. How many want to see God? You know, see him in his presence and that. Well... It's not something that we earn, but purity is, is part of the passage into his presence, is walking and living uh, in lives of purity. So we're just going to talk about that. Pure in heart. There are three major uses of the word for purity that we have in the Greek language during this time. And um, as usual, I'll be giving a lot of scriptures, and you can just some of them you can just write down, and it will be a good study for you later. But the three major uses they have, first of all, Pure in heart can be using an analogy of, of washing clothes, that sort of thing. It's as soiled clothes that are washed clean. So one of the ways that we apply this when we're looking at being pure in heart is that it's like that, that all the dirt and all the, you know, everything that is, you know, if you've been out in the pollen, anybody been in the pollen? I think, I think the weather's, from what I've seen from the forecast and from what my knee is telling me this morning as it is throbbing, I think we're going to have a change here, maybe to wash some more of that down. But it's like that, that sometimes you get the pollen and everything, and when the water comes, hopefully it just washes it away. And it makes my swimming pool all yellow, all mess there when it comes down from that. But that's one of the ways that we can define purity is, again, being washed clean, you know, washed by the water, washed by uh, Jesus in that. In Mark chapter 9, I'll just hit that very quickly. In Mark chapter 9... Verse 2, it says this, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him, and he led them to a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before him Elijah and Moses, 
who are talking with Jesus. And so this is just a reminder that to show us when we're talking about the presence of God and the importance of the presence of God is that when the glory and the presence of God came, it brought with it a cleaning element. It brought with it the, the light and the glory of God. And when the glory came in that, and they saw him and they saw the glow that, that was upon Jesus in that, this is what we call the transfiguration. You know, and that's, so that ties into this pure in heart from this beatitude. You know, we have our, our clothes washed and we do things like that. But what we're going to see is this is much more practical than the, just the washing of our clothes. It's the washing of our hearts, the washing of our souls, the washing of, uh, of regeneration from the Lord in that. Secondly, is after pure in heart, as souls clothed, it also can mean like um, as you have with wheat or corn, you know, where you can have wheat and corn and they can be cleansed of the chaff. And there's different ways that they can do that. But in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, in that time of the era, a lot of times what they would do is they would cast it out and the wind would come and it would blow away the husk and the grain would fall to the ground. And so this is one of the ways it did that. One of the ways that purity came to the, to the, um, uh, the, to the wheat and to the corn was by doing that, especially the wheat in that, that way. And that can also apply to the purity in heart that we have here. And then C, another way, is by gold or silver being purified. Gold or silver being purified. First Peter chapter 1, verse 7 talks about our faith is refined by what? Fire. By fire. That's right. I can think of a lot of adjectives or a lot of words that I'd rather it be than, than by fire, you know. And because... Most of us don't want to go through a fiery furnace. I mean, we know that there were three young lads that, um, we don't know exactly how they were, but they, were, they stood behind the Lord and they went through the furnace, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what happened from that was actually, the, there was everything, the only thing that was a problem was that they had been bound when they were thrown in and the flames just burn away everything that bound them. And so going through the fire is not a bad thing. It can be a good thing because it sets us free from what binds us. And that's, again, what we're looking at, even in, the, in our early understanding here that we're talking about. You know, as gold or silver, purified by fire, refined by fire. Uh, Psalm 12 and verse 6. Psalm 12 and verse 6. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. Isn't that interesting there that when they were looking at purity, and this is from the study I've done before, when they look at purity uh, for silver or for gold or things like that, they came to the place where they realized that it needed to not only be heated one time or melted one time, but that it had to go through a process depending upon silver or gold and apparently in gold the process for refining here was it had to go through the fire seven times now what's interesting about the number seven if you know anything about biblical numbers seven it speaks of completion it speaks of wholeness and and so it's interesting there that purifying silver and purifying gold it had to go through seven times of the fire now that's a little encouraging to me because Sometimes you go through a difficult place and you go through a, a hard place and you feel like you're going through the fire 
in the whole process. And, and one of the, by the way, one of the things that allows the Lord to really come and bring purity to us is when we cry out for it. And it's something you'd be afraid to do, might be afraid to do, but we need to do it anyway. Because we don't want to be carrying extra baggage. We don't want to be carrying anything that's less than the Lord. We want to have pure hearts. And that's, this is one of the most practical and tough messages that we'll do, especially in this series, because it's difficult when we look at purity and we look at uh, not just the culture of the Old Testament, the New Testament, but we just think and, and analyze the culture that we live in today. Purity is not a value in, this, in our culture today. And so we're, we're going to be looking at that. And, and we, as we look at this today, I want us to look at it as we're looking in the mirror. Now we're just not just, oh, look at all those bad people. No, look in the mirror and it's like, look at us, look at me, you know, and, and what's in my heart at times in that. So that's part of the process that we see. Silver purified seven times uh, as well as the gold. Again, what we're looking at is an internal condition. We're talking about purity of heart. We're talking about um, dealing with the heart, dealing with the hardness of a heart, dealing with, with um, areas that, that have anger, that have wounding, that have um, bitterness and different areas that we'll look at as we go through this passage uh, and look at this topic and look at several passages about that. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says this, Love comes from a pure heart. Say it with me. Love comes from a pure heart. You know, and sometimes we, 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 we go before the Lord or someone else will just kind of get honest and it's like, Lord, I just, I don't, I don't have the love or I don't have the compassion or I don't feel this. And a lot of times we have that is because we've been wounded and we've gone through hurt and we've gone through disappointment. And so that begins to build up in us and it, and it becomes like a wall in that. And what the Lord wants to do in the midst of that is he wants to bring that inner uh, purifying and he wants to, to deal with the internal condition and the purity of our heart. Love comes from a pure heart. We cry out, oh God, I want your love, I want your presence. Well, part of that wanting the, the love of God and the presence of God is being willing to say, Lord, just whatever it takes, stripping it down, stripping down the hardness of my heart, the unforgiveness, the anger, the bitterness, the impurity. Uh, just there's so much. Really, I'm going to have to leave out so much today because the scripture is so, so clear on this. But we'll get the gist of it as we look at that. So what are ways that we can do that? What are ways that we can um, keep ourselves pure and in this cooperative process. First of all, I think one of the, the first things that the Lord provided for us in the New Testament was in um, Acts chapter 15. Let's go there, Acts chapter 15. It says this, verse eight. Acts 15, wow. verse eight, bless you. God who knows the heart showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. You see, that's one of the things that we need to understand. It's one of the things we need to cry out to God is, God, would you bring purity to my heart? Would you bring purity to my attitudes? In that, you know, so many times it's just, you know, as we said, the Beatitudes, you could break them down. They're, they're what our attitude should be. But in this whole area that we're looking at, purity, purity of thought, purity of purpose, purity of intention and all that's involved in that. You know, that's where we just cry out. And what, 
what the, this passage is pointing to is the fact that receiving the Holy Spirit is one of the most important ways to be able to have the anointing and to have the wisdom of God and to have the help and the presence of God to be able to be set free and to be purified in that. And so I would encourage you today or encourage you in the days, weeks to come, if you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, if you've never had someone lay hands on you and ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and like on the day of Pentecost to come in there, you know, there was that rushing mighty wind and that rushing mighty wind that also had along with it, what did it have on their heads? Do you remember? The flames of fire. It's like, oh God, we want your presence. And so he starts blowing his presence. And then it's like, well, what's this fire on my head? You know, I just wanted the presence. I just wanted this. And it's like, they go together. They go together because the Lord abides in purity. The Lord comes and visits us and draws us to his presence. And his presence it involves purity. It involves, again, the cleansing and having the pure hearts that are involved in that. That's what God is calling us to do. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5. We could do Bible drills with these. There it is. Okay, I'm going to start... We'll start in verse 3. At one time, we, were, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy and hated and hating one another. Now, we all have that down, right? None of us have any problem with that. Well, I, I do from time to time. Verse 4 says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things that we've done, but because of his mercy. You know, coming into the salvation process, coming into relationship, coming into the place of where we become his sons and daughters, there is nothing that we could do that could ever remotely bring us to his presence by our own merit. It's all by him. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. And so the, the, even though we're looking specifically at purity here, we can realize that the, that the spring came from the washing of rebirth, of what we sometimes call being born again, or we might call be, being saved, or that sort of thing. The washing of rebirth. He says he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So we see again that it's the new birth experience, but beyond the new birth, it's the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit, the ongoing in and out, out, you know, garbage out and the presence of God in, in that. Renewing us by the Spirit in that whole process. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 22 through 23. Hebrews 9, verse 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. 
Now that's not talking about us shedding our blood or us shedding someone else's blood. It's talking about the shed blood of Jesus that's already been provided for us. And look at this. This is very interesting. Verse 23, it was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ Jesus did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands, or one that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself to appear for us in God's presence. You see, when Jesus went to be with the Father, he didn't go to the Father. He said, it is finished. But even though he said it is finished, he accomplished what he needed to accomplish on earth. In a sense, it was still ongoing because God and Jesus was still looking after us and interceding for us. Scripture talks about that he does that and the whole process. And you can, can read some more of that um, at a later time. But just as Jesus purified heaven with his blood, he wants to purify our hearts and our walk and our time with the Lord. James 4, verses 7 through 8 talks about this. It says, draw near to God. And in James 1, 8, what it's specifically talking about there is dealing with our double-mindedness. Does anybody have trouble with that? No. Yeah, no, okay. Uh, next week we're talking about telling the truth. No, I'm just kidding about that. All right. And uh, <laughs> double-mindedness. What does double-mindedness mean? It's when you're going in more than one direction at the same time. You know, and, and you think of it in the term of purity here. What we're looking at in double-mindedness is where we say, Oh, God, I want to be pure. I want to walk in your purity. I want to be filled with your light. You know, cleanse my heart, cleanse my mind. And then at the same time that... Have you ever noticed... I'll just I'll confess my sin. Have you ever noticed or done something when you're just crying out, Oh, Lord, forgive me for this. Set me free of this. And, you know, uh, bring this, bring this to happen. And at the exact time you're doing that, there's something else that's hitting your mind that's tempting you or thinking you or distracting you, like a cell phone or something like that, that all phones should be turned off now. But uh, in that process, just kidding. I could do that. It's my father-in-law. Jethro back there, right? Okay. And, uh, and if he gets angry, that's all right. We've got a message on purity today. He can take care of that, the process. So dealing with our double-mindedness. James 1.8, when we're looking about that, another way it talks about is that God wants to deal with our divided heart. He wants us to have an undivided heart. In other words, what happens in our walk with the Lord too many times is that it's like we're just torn. We're, yes, Lord, I'm going after you. And I don't, I don't know how many times that I have or, or people in the body Christ have have gone before the Lord and says, oh, God, you know, from this day forth, from this moment forth, you know, I'm going to read. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to witness to people. I'm going to be nice, you know, and all these other things that we say. And um, one of the things I've found out is we get challenged and tested on that real soon. You know, and I'm not sure that all the challenging and testing comes from the enemy. I think it comes from the Lord to see how serious we are about it. And very quickly, it's like, oh, God, you know, help, 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 have mercy, have grace in this. And he does. He, he wants to help us in that. He wants us to draw near to him and deal with that double-mindedness and divided heart. And then 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, gives us another area to, to deal with in this whole area of purity. And that is, he says, walk in the light. Walk in the light. You know, we need to understand, and, and of course he's not just speaking of physical light here, he's talking about the light of God's presence and the light of his spirit. And what the Lord is reminding us is that to, to have a godly walk, 
to have a walk that is noted by purity, having pure hearts and pure words in that, that it's something that requires intentionality. It's, it's something that requires for us to, as we said, to draw near the Lord and to walk in the light. Because when we walk in the, what's the difference? Let's say that it's nighttime and you're going down the hall or you're going through um, a room and you don't want to turn a light on to bother someone. And besides, you know everything where everything is in the room, but there was one toy or one something left out you didn't know and, um, and you hit it and you fell. And of course, your immediate response was, oh, thank you, Jesus, right? Now, your immediate response is reveal what was in your heart, you know, from the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's like, when you fall or have something like that, it's immediately, sometimes you think it's like, where did that come from? Oh, it must have been the, must have been the enemy. I'd never do that. Well, you just did that. You know, so again, it's being very honest and in that whole process, dealing with that. Walking in the light keeps us from stumbling. It keeps us from stumbling because we, we are following what the, where the light is going, what the light is showing us, and we can walk in that. Very, very important. Psalm 111. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Don't worry about that. But Psalm 111 and verses 9 through 11. I'm sorry. It's Psalm 119. That's what I was talking about. I'm not going to do all of it. It didn't make any sense, did it? Okay. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. Now, this starts off by says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? But guys, I'm a pastor here, and I have the authority to do this, and this applies to those of any age, okay? Because we need this too. So how can a young person, or how can any age person, how can a follower of the Lord stay on the path of purity? And here's the prescription. By living according to your word, I seek you with all of my heart. Now, this, again, takes intentionality. It's something we, that we have to decide that we want to do. It's not just something that we're ginning up for work's sake, but, we, but it's where we're crying out to God. And by the way, it's not, you say, well, that says, how can a young person? Well, again, this is how can any age person, okay? No matter what, what age we are. You know, living according to his word, walking in the path of purity, seeking the Lord with all of our heart. And he, said, and he cries out, the psalmist says, don't let me stray from your commands. And here's a, here's a very important one. I have hidden your word, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden my word in your heart that I might not sin against you. Now that's something that we need to do, that we need to do on a continual basis. And I'm just going to give you a little secret here. Is that when we hide the words of God in our heart and uh, to not sin against the Lord and we lay them before the Lord and say, Oh, Lord, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going on this passage or other passages and I'm going to commit myself to this and, and I'm going to walk this through. I'm going to walk on the path of purity. I'm going to live according to your word. I'm going to seek you with all of my heart. That many times we are challenged for that, against that very quickly. Very, very quickly. And so we have to understand that part of that process is that we are so embracing what the Lord is showing there that even when things go in an unexpected way or something happens or we get discouraged or everything there, that we still have to press through, we still have to press back in to the path of purity 
and hiding God's word in our heart. Because if we don't, then we do sin against the Lord. And none of us want to do that. We need to keep short, short accounts in relation to that. 1 Peter 1 verse 22 says this, Obey the truth. Obey the truth. You know, it talks about doing it, doing the truth, and walking in the truth. Do the truth. That is so, so important. Um, Proverbs chapter 1, you don't have to turn there for this, but um, Proverbs chapter 1 gives some very um, practical uh, countenance and information, and it's primarily for younger people, but it applies to all of us. In verse 10, it talks about, it says, My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give it. Do not give in to them. If they say, "Come along with us," let's lie and wait for innocent blood. Let's ambush some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive as the grave. And like those who go down to the pit, we will get all sorts of valuable things. And it just goes on from there. And it just talks about. It says, "Don't set your foot on their paths, because these kind of paths rush to evil. They're swift to shed blood. They're they are useless." It's useless to spread a net, it says, where every bird can see it. And just this whole thing about there's an enticement that comes from the world. There's an enticement that comes from our enemy that wants to pull us onto wrong paths. He wants us to begin to listen to what others are saying and to press into what they're doing instead of living lives of holiness, living lives of God's calling. Exodus 23.2 says, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. Exodus 23.2, don't follow the crowd in doing wrong. Sometimes it's just so easy to follow the crowd. We think of that in, you know, in, in high school or growing up, whatever. There's the peer pressure and everything's there, and so we get caught up in that. We want to follow the crowd. But sometimes we can do it when we're way past high school. We can allow that to come into our hearts and lives, and, and, and we, we can almost compromise ourselves and kid ourselves where we see someone that, that's, you know, we, we respect in the spirit and they're doing well or whatever we think. And then we see them acting out or we see things that they're saying and they're doing. And, and my goodness, if you watch Christian TV or other things, there are major name um, evangelists and pastors and teachers that are falling all the time. That have major incredible ministries and anointings, but they're falling all the time. And a lot of, t and they fall because they've neglected this area of purity in their hearts and their lives. And other things have come into that. And not only does that hurt them, not only does it destroy their families and their walk with God, but it becomes a black, a black eye that, that hurts the whole body of Christ. Because what, what do we hear so many times when people think of the church? Oh, it's just a bunch of what? Hypocrites, right. You know, and, and we, see, we see a major person fall. We see this, we see that. We don't understand that, but that how powerful that is. But as powerful as that, as that is that, that we don't want to happen, people look at us too. Our neighbors look at us. They see how we act, how we respond, and, 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 and all that. And so we have to deal with that. We have to, to understand what the Lord uh, wants us to do and how he wants us to, to make our way through all of that, not following the crowd. 1 Corinthians 10.14 says, flee from idolatry. Run, you know, get out of the way. Just stay clear. Stay clear. I don't know. There are sometimes in, in situations of where uh, one of the scripture talks about discernment, of where you can be involved in something and you're getting around something and if you're tuned by the Holy Spirit, you can actually start feeling dark presence. You can start feeling evil presence. You can feel like there's something wrong here. 
could even be in a place that you wouldn't expect that. And we have to be tuned into the heart of the Lord and the presence of the Lord because if we're going to uh, have th this beatitude of having purity in our hearts and our lives and our walk, then we have to recognize when it comes and deal with it, to flee idolatry. Remember in Genesis 39 when you had um, Potiphar's wife and uh, he had falsely, his Potiphar's wife kept making, um, you know, time after time tried to get Joseph to um, fall into sin and he wouldn't do it, he wouldn't do it, he wouldn't do it. So finally he ran away and she just in anger and frustration grabbed, you know, and there was the tearing and he was falsely accused in that whole process. See, sometimes you can be falsely accused even when you were totally righteous. And what happened to him after that? Yeah, when the, when the, you know, the husband came home and he was like, and up to that point, he'd been very high on Joseph. But at that point, it was like, you know, you, you tried to do this. And, and so he goes to prison and he's in prison. And if, if I was following the Lord and being pure and I got thrown into prison, I'd probably want to have a pity party talk with God. You know, it's like, oh, God, what, what's going on here? And you remember, let's see, who, who was it that was, it was Saul and, um, was it Silas that were thrown in prison? Is that right? Paul, Paul and Silas that were thrown in prison. And uh, they were thrown in prison because Paul got tired of this demonized gal going around prophesying through the demon. And so he just turned to her and said, get out. And the demon left. And when he did, the, the owners of her could no longer get money for her um, doing the demonic stuff. And so they were thrown in prison. And I've all, often thought about when they're thrown in the deepest prison, you know, and it's dark and they're in chains and everything else, you know, I can almost picture Silas saying, did you really have to cast that demon out? <laughs> did you really have to do that? You know, and uh, doing the right thing doesn't mean that we're always going to get results we're happy with, but we know that how it ended, the Lord used it to bring salvation to the jailer and his whole family, and it turned out to be a good thing. They even had a miracle earthquake come to open up the prison, touch the other prisoners as well. So we see that. We have to deal with temptation, just like Joseph did. In Genesis 4-7, you remember the, the whole thing of the two sons and what the Lord said to the one that was going to reject the word of the Lord and the heart of the Lord was the Lord said, sin is crouching at your door, but you must master it. You must overcome it. And that's so important when we're talking about this whole thing of purity in heart is that sin and all these things wants to control it, wants to get a, a foothold. John Number used to talk about this whole thing of... Um, of footholds of that we don't want to give in our hearts in our, in our lives in our minds in our spirits we don't want to give landing places for the enemy to come because if the if their enemy doesn't have any place you know of bitterness or anger or unforgiveness or purity those things if he doesn't have those things there's no place for him to land his plane but a lot of times we have ample space for them to land planes and so we want to deal with those. And that's what this whole thing of impurity is about, is dealing with that, dealing with that, being, being free of that, fleeing from idolatry, staying away from it. Another thing that we do that helps us in this process of overcoming impurity is watch your input. Watch your input. What's the famous scripture? No, it's not a, a scripture. Garbage in, garbage out, right? And I don't know about your garbage, 
But I know our garbage, if it sat there while, you know, waiting for the trash guys to get there, it's not a good smelly thing at all. <laughs> it's a bad thing, you know. And we need to say, Lord, just give us our, uh, our Holy Spirit sniffers that we can, that we can you know, the, the gifts of the Spirit, you know, that we can see and we can hear, we can smell. It's like the, the, the whole thing of the, the, the different ways that we, uh, in the natural do, we can do that in the Spirit. We can ask God to speak to us. And to show us uh, from even the natural. I remember one time um, I was at, uh, oh, this was a long time ago. What was the name of that restaurant up on the hill we used to go to that I'd go get you salads? And it was a, it was a steak restaurant that was in West Shreveport and um, Sirloin Steak, Western Sism. And I was there one day by myself and um, was eating, and there was a group of men beside me. And as, as they were there, all of a sudden, I felt a presence, and then I started smelling this awful, awful, sulfuric, awful smell just came right across in front of me and went past. And I'm like, Lord, was that, was, did I really, you know, I was, I was just, this is all quiet, you know, it's was like, did I just really smell a demon fly by me? You know, was, or is that just my imagination? Well, as soon as I, in my, in my mind, kind of prayed that to God, I felt it stop and come back across again. And then it went over and settled over where the men were. And I was like, God, what is that? And he's like, I'm teaching you. Yeah. But he said, I'm teaching you, you know, how to, the, the, the different gifts, you know, and sight, you know, what we see, what we, what we feel, what we touch and smell and all those things. God can use all of those. In the early days of our church, uh, our earlier days of our church, there were times that in the midst of our service and worshiping God, that we would feel the presence of roses fill the room. Remember that? Of where just God's presence. I, I, when I remember that, I told God, I said, God, I'm ready for round two. Delana smelled that um, when we were in the other building a couple of weeks ago. That's awesome. And, and so I believe God wants to do that. God wants to, to just to embrace his presence. And again, it's what we focus on, we make room for, we make room for, uh, it's what we empower. Fleeing from idolatry, watching our input. Garbage in, garbage out. Philippians 4.8 talks about dwelling on the things of God. And I do want us to look at that one. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. It's a very familiar passage, but it's one that's, that's pretty powerful for this context. Start in verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, that's a really good passage to start off talking about purity because if we're in a place of rejoicing and praising God and worshiping God and rejoicing, it puts the ax to our anger and our bitterness and, and all the other things. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Isn't that kind of a strange little thing, the Lord is near? What I think it's saying to us there is, is right on target of what we're talking about today is that whatever we're doing, whatever we're saying, whatever is going on, the Lord is there. The Lord is near, and he's hearing, he's listening, he's watching. Verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thank, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts, and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
You say, gosh, you know, how, how can we be, be pure? How can we live and walk in this? Well, that's, this, is, this passage is so powerful in that. You know, and he goes on, verse 8 says, here's the keys. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about or literally let your mind dwell upon these areas. This is where we need to let our mind dwell. When you're, when you're anxious or you're upset or you're bitter or other things that come against us, this is, this, you know, Philippians 4, this whole, so much of the chapter, just need to, to commit it to heart in that, that in the midst of that, we want to dwell upon these things, the things it says that we've learned or received or heard from, uh, from the Lord or, or from this passage of Scripture. It says, don't just see them, put them to practice, put them into practice. And when we do that, when we make a decision to walk with the Lord in, in prayer and thanksgiving and request to God and to, to dwell upon these things, it says that the God of peace will be with you. Boy, I want the God of peace to be with me. I, don't, I sure don't want to have less than the God of peace because there's enough times that there's not peace around. And the God of peace, again, just this practical thing that the Lord has given us. He goes on from there down and he talks about the secret of being content and how even when he has food or doesn't have food in that, that God is there, that he's watching over in the whole process. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, it's the wellspring of life. The issues of life come. Mark 7 verse 20 says, Out of the heart comes evil. Um, 1 John 3 verses 1 through 3 talk about that we should remember the blessed hope. Let me just read that. Let's read that. 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. Because that's something that we kind of forget sometimes. We, we, we've been around a while, some of us, and, and, we just, um, and we know Jesus is coming, but we just, we just never think he might come today. You know, there's, there's a lot of times when I was in college and we had some major exams, especially some I wasn't sure about, and I can remember praying, Lord, this would be a good day. This would be a great day for your coming. But he never did come on those days. He said, I think if I could hear him, he would have said, this yesterday was a great day for you to study. That's kind of what I think he would have said in response, you know. But uh, sometimes we try to take a lesser way than, than the highway in the process. I confess my sins. You can confess yours later, the whole process. Um, okay, First John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that's what we are. The reason the world doesn't know us is because it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God. What we will be has not yet been made known, but we know when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And here's the, here's the kicker, verse 3. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And so what it's saying here is the great hope, the great hope of the Lord Jesus Christ coming, whether it's when we're alive or when we you know, go to be with the Lord, that the blessed hope is the fact that we have the confidence that Jesus, whether alive or whether whatever time frame, that he is there. And that when we embrace the blessed hope, that allows us to bring purity to our hearts. 
because we're living not from the, from the short, we're living for, through eternity, from the span of eternity, of whatever it's going to be for us in that. And so he gives us that passage in there. You know, I ask this question, if you knew he was coming today, how would you live? You know, there's sometimes sci-fi shows and all, and they say, okay, you know, the world's going to end here, or different things, and so people start getting ready because, you know, the, the, it's going to be a flood or something else, and so they, they do that. But that's probably not the, the reality for, for most of us most of the time in that. And so what we're looking for is just this question. If we really knew it was today, would we live differently? Would we go to church that day? You know, that's one of the things in all the, the movies you see is whenever there's a disaster come, the churches fill up. You know, they, they, everybody runs to pray then. And, um, but God wants us to, again, be on a consistent time with him in that, in the process. You know, because the scripture here is, I wrote down, and this, this wasn't from the Lord, but I just wrote it down. You know, if we knew he was coming today, how would we live? And I wrote, ready or not, here I come from the Lord, you know. That he is going to come, whether we're ready or not. The whole idea of purity, blessed are the pure, is that we want to be ready. Because the result is, that scripture shows us from all of this, is that when we walk and live or endeavor to walk and live in purity, we will see God. We'll see God. We'll begin to see his presence and understand his presence. There's an old, uh, I think it's a plumber's um, um, way of describing things. It says this, output equals input minus internal resistance. So let's just think of walking with the Lord. If we want to have the output of God's presence, if we want to have the output of God's anointing, if we want to have the freedom to do and to be all that he's called us to do, then what we have to do is look at what our input is and then see what the internal resistance there. Because a lot of times the reason we don't see God is because our output isn't pure and then our input isn't pure. And because of that, there's a lot of internal resistance. And so again, the simplicity is God wants us to see him in his presence and to rest in that. Remember at 2 Kings 6 where you had Elisha with his servant when, when Elisha had been through the word of the Lord telling the king whenever the armies were coming and so they surrounded the whole city and he had his prophet in training and uh, the prophet got up and looked out and the whole city was surrounded with all the soldiers and the chariots and everything else and he said to the senior prophet he's like oh no no what are we going to do and that's when Elijah said Lord open his eyes and he saw that those that were with him were more than those that were against them Sometimes we look and we see the giants or we see everything that's going wrong or we see the pile of bills or we see other, you know, whatever. We see all these things and we get so focused on them and we get fearful and anxious and upset instead of looking beyond that and trusting that God's going to provide for us. And just like this passage that, uh, of, of where the senior prophet to the, to the new prophet coming in, those that are with us are more than those that are against us. God cares for us, he loves us, and he'll see to it that we will receive and walk in what he has. Psalm 24, verses 3 through 4 says, The pure may stand in his holy place. That's just one of my cries. Lord, I want to stand in your presence. I want to live in your presence. You know, for eternity, yes, but how about for today? How about, you know, for, for a walk today and tomorrow and the weeks and months to come in that? Because I'm convinced that God has more for all of us to do, no matter what age or place that we are in that. 
Psalm 73 1 says, God is good to those of a pure heart. Doesn't mean we earn it, but it just shows that God loves seeing us walk in a pure heart. Psalm 24 3 says, the pure may stand in his holy place, that we can come into his presence, that we're, we're drawn up into that. Psalm 24 3 says, God said, the pure may stand in his presence. And here's, here's kind of the summation. To be pure towards God means having pure hearts with each other. And the last passage to read is Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32. Actually, I'm going to start a little further than that. We'll start in verse 25, Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, each of you, and I'm going to say each of us, okay? Therefore, each of us or each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. None of us have a problem with that, right? <laughs> it doesn't take anger to get into sin, but usually we do get into sin, we get angry. In your anger, do not sin. In other words, there are times even from Scripture, that it's appropriate to get angry. But most of the time, that's not our problem. It's when we're, we get angry and we sin. And it says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. You know why? First of all, you probably won't sleep well. You know, and you might, you might get a, a part of that may be the Lord trying to stir you in that. But you know, it says, your anger, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And this is verse 27 is so important. Do not give the devil a foothold. That's what I was talking about a while ago. Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a place, a landing strip that he can land in our hearts and our lives and that. Anyone that's stealing needs to quit stealing. And you should work instead. Do something useful with your own hands. And let's go to verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And that, that one short little passage could take years or decades or a long time. I mean, no unwholesome talk. Only what's going to build others up. That means we have to deal with our critical attitudes and natures towards each other and towards others and authority figures. And I mean, you know, in this election year that's here, let me tell you, I mean, God, um, I don't think God would embrace or, or go with everything that's being said or done in our nation, but Scripture is very clear that we're to respect those in authority and to pray for them, you know, and um, I sometimes wonder if the reason that our nation seems to be slotting so much and getting so much more is because we're caught up in criticizing and attacking and everything else instead of praying. That's the heart of God. Part of purity in heart is dealing with the purity in our heart and then crying out for the purity of heart beyond that. It says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for redemption, for the day of redemption. Get rid of all, and these are the easy things, right? All bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And going on, we, we read from there, so you've got that. So that's our cry. That's our prayer. 
We want to have the purity of heart. We want to do that. We want to, as, as the Beatitude says to us, you know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to see him. I mean, I, I, I want to see him when it's time that I'm there in his presence for eternity to see him. But I want to see him now. I want to see his presence. I want to f- feel his presence. I want to be an ambassador and a vessel that helps sow and seed the kingdom of God. And God's, you know, you don't have to be a minister. You don't have to be ordained. You don't have to be anything except a lover of God with a heart that's working on purity. If we do that, we can bless our communities, our neighborhoods, our states, and our nations. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, even when it's tough, even when it's difficult, oh God, I, I confess in my heart that so many times, instead of responding out of your heart, that I respond out of my tainted heart. Oh Lord, I just pray for you, the purity of your presence. God, we want to see your presence. We want to see your purity. And Lord, I just ask that you wash and that you cleanse us and you renew us, that you bring your healing touch that, Lord, where there's been bitterness and anger and hurt and woundedness and maybe even spiritual scar tissue, oh, God, would you begin to work in each one that needs a touch by your Spirit. Refresh us and heal us and renew us. Oh, Lord, I just pray that we would carry such a humility and a brokenness and a heart of God in our presence, the purity of God in our speech, that it would cause others to hunger and thirst for the presence of God. Oh, Lord, change our hearts. Give us pure hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.